It's time for Making It Personal, a personalized SC podcast. Let's jump into today's episode. Welcome back, everyone, to our Making It Personal podcast. I am your host, Carrie Fersner, and today I am joined by a repeat guest. Her name is Brittany Perry, and she is a teacher in Clover, South Carolina. So I'm going to allow her to introduce herself for you all. Hi, uh, my name is Brittany Terry. I teach fourth grade math and science at Griggs Road Elementary in uh, Clover. All right. Awesome. Well, I'm so glad that you made it on today. So um, as we kind of know, right now we're, we're, we're facing some unprecedented times um, with this coronavirus. And um, if anyone's listening to this like way in the future, um, all schools have been closed in the state. Um, and so a, a lot of things are happening that are not our typical normal, especially when it comes to education. So I'm really glad to have you on. And I, and I kind of want to start off by asking you um, to kind of put me back in uh, a couple weeks ago when work from home orders were given. Um, how did you and your teammate, um, who also teaches fourth grade with you, how did you guys initially plan for remote learning for your kids? It was a surprise to all of us. We were there Friday. I even still have on my whiteboard a half-finished problem. (laughs) We left Friday and I thought, we're going to be back Monday. You know, and then Sunday night we get the call that schools are closed. Of course, it's testing season and my mind went to academics. How am I going to get these kids ready? Yeah. Um, Greg Stroud has an amazing leader. And our principals, the only thing she requested that we do, she said, our kids need to hear from us. Mm. And so we... All the teachers wrote letters to all of our students. So that's really the first thing my team oh, wow. did. Was we wrote letters to every kid and, and our principals writing letters to every student. The next thing my team and I did was we created a flip grid just so we could still have that connection because it's so important. But um, moving forward academically, we created a, a Google slide and I'll probably share one on my Twitter account later just so other people can see an example. But we have a daily Google slide. <clears throat> where mm-hmm. uh, it goes through the, what the lesson, a typical lesson would look like. We have a slide for math and like a warm up, um, mm-hmm. and then science. And so, and it's it's nice that that tool is so collaborative because she can do it on her end, and I can do my part on on my end. So you guys have pretty much um, utilized a lot of technology for for some of the things that you're doing. Are there any other like online tools or resources that you found to be really helpful for you during this time? I know you mentioned Flipgrid. Um, are yeah. there any others that you guys are using? That list that's another educator put together that all these companies are offering all their services for free is amazing. Mm. Um, I'm a parent too, and I have three kids, and all of these new tools and all the new logins is a little overwhelming. Yeah. So right, right now, all I've used are the same tools that I was using in class, just not to overwhelm. One thing I have um, really liked that is kind of new that I threw at the kids was again, we left Friday afternoon and didn't know we weren't coming Monday. And so I couldn't send anything home with the kids. Like I wanted mm-hmm. to send them their data notebook mm-hmm. because when personalized learning, uh, that having their learning visible to them is just such a crucial uh, piece. Yeah. And so. One of the first things I did was I got on Google Sheets and I shared this on Twitter too, mm-hmm. a template that other teachers can use where 
uh, they put in the scores for each of the standards and then it populates a bar graph so that the students know exactly where the, where they are. And so oh, wow. Okay. So pretty much with that template, the students can keep track of their progress towards mastery and whatever the skill is that you guys are trying to teach. Yeah, correct. With their physical data notebooks, did you have a, like a similar setup? Like talk me through like what that would look like for someone who um, maybe this is their first time like hearing about data notebooks from a student center lens. Because I know like in the world of education, like I'm, I've heard of some schools where teachers keep the data notebook and they have to keep track of all the scores. And is that the way that you guys kind of operated that in your class? Um, no, <laughs> I have the students are in charge of their own data notebooks. Uh, and so they're responsible for putting in their own scores and tracking their progress. And it's really nice to see, uh, like I had a student recently who, well, she had originally scored like a 23% in this, a certain area and then practiced and got a 60%. Well, 60% is still failing, but she, mm -hmm. because she's tracking her own data notebook she didn't even focus on that she's she's not at 100 she just saw how much growth she made and then um just making that learning visible to them it's just it's just so important last year before i started doing uh the data notebooks and we have a a data wall um before i started doing that i was talking to my class about this mm -hmm. this idea like hey you know there's 30 30 or some standards that I have to teach you this year. And this would kind of show you where you're at in each of those. And I had a student make the comment and it blew my mind because mm. this is a student in third grade, uh, got a perfect score on his math SE ready test, and then got nothing less than an A in my class all year, just really bright in math. And he said, Oh, I've been wondering how I'm doing. Mm. And I just wow. stared at him. Like, he doesn't know how he's doing. How does anyone else know how they're doing? And right. so that's why I, we implemented those data notebooks and it just, tr it just transformed my class into, I mean, it just helped the students take ownership of what they're doing. And, and that transition to home learning has made all the difference because the students have owned their learning all year. So I'm still just the facilitator. They're doing it at home, but they're still owning that learning. And it's been amazing to see. Wow. That is awesome. That was going to lead me to my next question. How do you feel like, um, do you feel like your students are maintaining their motivation level to work and to continue to learn and grow in their academics? Because one thing that I'm hearing from other teachers is that, you know, in some parts of the state, there are students who, you know, they're still trying to grapple with what this means to be at home 24-7 and they're losing the motivation to do any work. Um, yeah. How do you guys keep your like, is it the activities that you're giving that helps to engage your students? Is it, you know, the fact that you've already kind of adopted that atmosphere of ownership or is it like a combination of both of those things? Um, we're still doing the same type of activities and we're still using our pathways that where they've got some choice and it really um is at their level. So that engagement piece is still there, but really what's made all the difference in this transition to home learning is just um, how much this, just that culture of student ownership. And they know that they have a job to do and it's just mm -hmm. made that transition and just that, that culture of having that ownership. It's just made the transition just so that much smoother. I mean, it's been rough for everyone to work, yeah. start working 
but they have really risen to the occasion. Hmm. So what kind of activities and assignments are you guys given within your pathways? I heard you mention that. Well, and we've had to transition our pathways so that it's all it's all digital now instead of having some hands on some games in class. And I still provide the small group with teleconferencing. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, come at this time. If you're in this area, come at a different time. If you've scored, you know, a, a, at a different level. Um, so there's still a lot of that. I've kind of transitioned and I'm, I'm recreating my pathway right now so that some of the more applied advanced activities, they can mm-hmm. do that. Right now we're doing some fractions. And so I'm like, you know what? Find a recipe, double this recipe, and then, you know, bake it with your family. So just some more family-centered activities. So what has been the reaction from your students? Um, I think this is going on like week two or three. Like, I mean, I'm getting the week so confused. <laughs> I don't know what day it is. I'm so confused. But yeah, so like what's been the reaction of your students? Like at this time, do you feel like, um, I know that you have set up the expectations for them and you guys have set up, you know, activities for them to work on. Like what has been their reaction? Um, and has it surprised you at all? Um, yeah, I conference a couple times a day with them and it's just so good just to see their faces and to chat yeah. with them. Um, a lot of, I, I get mixed reactions from them. Some of them are like, I'm ready for more work, <laughs> you know, cause we're not given a full six hours worth of work every day. You know, and others are like, wait, we still have a test next week, you know? So it's, it's very mixed. <laughs> Their mm-hmm. personalities are shining right now. <laughs> yeah, that, that definitely makes sense. Cause I guess people, even, even students, they process things a lot differently. So yeah, mm-hmm. that's for sure. That, yeah. that for sure makes sense. So what, what challenges have you faced? Or are there any like uncomfortable spots that you've had to navigate as a teacher, um, like during this time? Um, there's been a couple kids I, I've barely heard from, mm-hmm. you know, um, they haven't been turning in work, you know, um, I think being available for parents around the clock has been a challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to be there if they're getting off work, you know, cause my husband's working from home too. And he closes yeah. the office door and we don't hear from him for eight hours. And I know that there are parents in that situation too, mm-hmm. um, where they can't necessarily help their kids. And so they're getting off work at five and then sitting down to do the work for their kid and emailing me and I want to be available. But as far as um, taking time for myself and not working 16 hour days, mm. you know, like I've got to do that. So it's, it's hard. <laughs> yeah. And, and that leads me to something else. I was going to ask, like, how, are, how are you like managing your work at home? Plus you have a life. Like, how are you managing that balance? <laughs> Yeah. And teaching is just one of those jobs where it's never done. You can always do something better. So it's just getting in the mindset of like, it's okay to walk away. It's okay to spend an hour playing with my kids and not doing schoolwork. Even when I know parents are emailing me and kids are emailing me because they need some help, you know, like you've just got to make that choice and decision that it's okay to walk away for a little bit. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Have you, um, developed any like new hobbies or taken up anything that like you didn't have time to before like for example I have this guitar that I'm about to reteach myself how to play what about (laughs) you yeah there's an app actually called Yousician Y-O-U-Zition and it provides 10 minutes of free instrument practice every day 
So really? I'm also pick up a guitar. Oh, wow. And I'm not going to do. But like last night and Monday nights, my kid has soccer. My daughter has dance at two different studios. And we're literally eating dinner in the car. And last night I realized when I realized it was Monday night, because I don't know what day it is. Um, and we were outside. We played Foursquare for half an hour. I'm like, and then we were just riding bikes. I'm like, this never happens on a Monday night. So mm. it is focus on those positives that we do have a little bit more time to develop those hobbies and just spend time with each other and work on puzzles and yeah that is awesome that is awesome and thank you for that musician I will definitely be using that tonight (laughs) I appreciate that and so another thing that I have um have to ask you I know that just in talking to a a variety of different teachers during this time there are a lot of you know mandates and like you know structures that have been put in place for districts to kind of guide teachers around how to navigate um, this like online learning time and things like that. Um, But I also recognize just in my opinion that this is the perfect time for teachers to be able to dabble around with student-centered learning and what does that look like? Um, And it could be teachers, it could be coaches, it could be administrators um, who are new to personalized student-centered learning. Um, So my question for you is, for a teacher who might be, you know, we're all in this situation together, but for a teacher who might be interested in maybe um, trying to think about, if not for now, maybe even for next year, like how can I shift, you know, what I was doing, traditionally speaking, to more of a student-centered approach? Where would you suggest that they even start? Like where's a good starting point during this time? Well, and I think jumping into pathways is such a, this is such a great time because, um, you know, my hour and 20 minutes that I had for math before is now cut to about a half an hour. So that half an hour really has to be meaningful for these mm-hmm. students. So make some pre-assessments and, or find some pre-assessments. And if a kid is already mastered an area, then that half an hour should really be meaningful for them. It's a great time to be like, you know what? I'm getting rid of the textbook that I've kind of half relied on and mm-hmm. I'm just jumping in ways. And I always ask my students, like, are you just trying to get this done? Or are you trying to learn something from it? And I think when it's meaningful for them and when they have those choices, you know, do the, uh, they can do something online or they can make something with their family, like using those fractions, like make it meaningful for them and provide those choices. Yeah. And so Talking about pathways, I know you mentioned start with a pre-assessment. Can you talk us through the process that you go through when you're kind of creating pathways for your students? So you start with a pre-assessment that covers essentially like what would be on that pathway. But what what's the next step for you after this pre-assessment? Um, well, and that's, it's kind of a work in progress right now because even my pre-assessment before, uh, uh, six or seven months ago looks different than my pre-assessments now and the pathways that I've created now, because I'm realizing in math, it's not so interconnected. It's more, it builds on itself. And so my right. pre-assessment looks like it builds on itself. And so within the standard, there's several steps I have to go through. And so ideally, um, this pre-assessment would, uh, the questions would get more advanced. And if they miss that question, like, my plan is to block off um, that component on their pathway. I don't know mm-hmm. if that I'm going to be able to do that 
that with this virtual learning. I'm still trying to creatively think through that process. Mm -hmm. But as far as investments and what's happening this time of year, not every kid next year is going to have the same opportunities that other kids are going to have. You know, some, some students right now have parents fully engaged and have technology and other kids don't have that. And so mm -hmm. just looking for how important pre-assessments are going to be next year so that we really understand what skills our students are lacking and what they're missing out on now so that we can build from there. Right. I totally agree with that because um, all across our state, our students are going to be at different locations. So then, so then you have uh -huh. to ask yourself, uh, like, are we going to continue doing business as usual or are we really going to meet students' needs where they are? Again, that's just one more reason why um, it's so important to just really have a really good, solid pre-assessment so that you know exactly where the students are and then adjust what they're learning based on that. And I, all my, uh, for my class all the time, I'll build blocks in the classroom. Like if you're missing this piece from second grade, because maybe you're out with the flu or maybe you broke your arm or maybe you're having a hard time with friends, um, you can't build on that piece if it's not there. And so it's really, right. really important to have that solid foundation. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so when you start with the pre-assessment and your students take that pre-assessment, I heard you say that um, you have it set up. Um, do you use Google Forms to do for them to do the pre-assessment? Yeah, I have Google Forms. Mm -hmm. Okay. So when they take the, the pre-assessment and they get their score, then that will dictate the path that they take towards learning about something or practicing with something towards mastery, correct? Correct. Yeah. And okay. for mine, with math right now, I've kind of adjusted it so that it's specific. if they miss this question, if they're missing this skill, then they're going to be at the learning part for that. Okay. But if they've got that skill, um, then they can do the more applied activity. And I'll yeah. share another, a digital pathway on Twitter later today, too. So other people can kind of see and adjust. That is awesome. Needs. Yes, I'm so excited because I have um, for all of the people listening, like I'm going to sing Britney's praises. I have seen all the cool resources that she has posted and they are bomb. They are really good. So well, um, and we just my, need to collaborate yeah, more. No, we just need to collaborate more as a state. You know, yes. there's no reason to recreate something. And like, I've actually built better playlists and pathways because of what other people have said on Twitter. And I'm like, you know, what? that is a really point and my pathway needs to reflect that and so I take in other ideas all the time and it just like we're better together yes I love it I love it and so with that being said how can people get in touch with you who are maybe listening to this episode what's a good way to reach you um, I'm on Twitter it's at Brits b-r-i-t-s underscore and then my website and email are all linked on that okay and also for those of you listening who have not joined the personalized SC community, that is also another great place to collaborate and get in touch with other educators and swap resources, ask questions. So feel free to check that out too. And I will have, Brittany, I'll have your Twitter information and um, a link to the personalized SC community in the description box of the podcast too. Yes, and I just joined that community, so I'm excited about that. Yes, yes. Well, thank you so much, Brittany. I have so enjoyed talking to you. This has been great. 
Oh, but I forgot one more thing. We have to do our special segment. So we'll be right back in a second. our quick um, special segment that I like to call making it or breaking it. So um, Brittany, I'm going to ask that you share with our audience either a make, which can be a highlight, um, something that you've seen um, within the world of personalizing student learning, maybe during this time that has just really been a highlight and a standout moment. Or you can feel free to share a break, which would be a concern, a barrier or a struggle that you've encountered, and maybe how you overcame that. And it could be something that is personal to you or something that you've seen happen um, outside. So go ahead and choose make or break. I'm definitely going to choose a make. I just, I like to end on a positive note. Okay. <laughs> but, um, that first week of virtual learning, we were doing a lot of review uh, type activities and it was very basic. Um, now in my in my regular classroom about 20 minutes a day we call this time learning log time where I said you know pull out your learning logs and at the top of their learning log they have a goal um, mm -hmm. based on standard that they haven't met yet so I will be at benchmark in NSBT 5 by a certain date um, I haven't done anything with that learning log since we've been mm -hmm. learning virtually and uh, this is maybe day 10 where we're home and I've had a student every single day who have requested that, they, that they're ready to retake an assessment, you know? So even wow. though I'm not assuming this, they've really truly owned their learning and that they're like, oh, I still have this goal. I still have this uh, standard to me. And they've been practicing on their own. And they'll send me an email and say, this is what I've done to be ready uh, to retake this and I think I'm ready and I'm like you know what you're absolutely right you are ready so they're still continuing the learning even though it's not something that I've assigned and that's been beautiful to see like that's been my highlight yes that is amazing I mean and that's just the testament to the environment that you set up in your classroom being very student-centered and being very goal-oriented um, yeah. and this is fourth grade so like you can't, oh, are. Me, <laughs> you can't tell me students can't do this. Yeah. 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 That is amazing, Very Brittany. Well, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. And thank you so much for the work that you do every day with our students. I really appreciate you. And we are so glad to have had you on. Yeah, thank you for having me. Thanks again for tuning in to today's episode of Making It Personal. Be sure to connect with the Office of Personalized Learning on social media. Tweet us at PersonalizedSC and follow us on Instagram at SCPersonalize. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe, share with a friend, and tune in for a brand new episode every month. We'll catch you next time on Making It Personal. See ya!